speaking to us and looking at how God is moving in the year 2022. And our series is about trusting God, this first series that we've been kicking off the year with. And today we're going to be talking about trusting God through crisis and beyond. If you got a pen, you want to uh, take some notes, you want to type it in digitally, just so you lock that in your mind today. Trusting God through crisis and beyond. And today we're going to be looking at um, Isaiah 38 and 39, 2 Kings 20, 1 through 19, which is a parallel account of what's happening in Isaiah 38 and 39. And then also 2 Chronicles 32, 24 through 31. All of those texts are um, parallel accounts of what went on uh, in the life of the king that we're going to be looking at today. So last week, we began to delve into the life of Isaiah the prophet, poet. And we looked at the fact that Isaiah's messages centered around judgment warning, comfort, and hope. And we talked about the role of the prophet, the role of the messenger in delivering the word of God. And so today we're going to take a look at Isaiah's dealing specifically with King Hezekiah. Now, a lot of people have either uh, heard a part of this, probably part of a message about Hezekiah and how God extended his life. But we're going to dig a little bit deeper into this on today because the Holy Spirit had lots and lots to say about this word and about Hezekiah. So Hezekiah had a record of walking with God faithfully and we're going to go ahead and begin reading about his life. So I want to start in, let's see, I want to start my reading in 2 Chronicles and let's look at 32 verses 20 through 31. Want to just give you um, a general picture of the events today, and we're going to delve a little bit deeper. Second Chronicles 32, 20 through 31. King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, prayed and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated every brave warrior, leader, and commander in the camp of the king of Assyria. Hezekiah had uh, gone to battle and the king of Assyria began to taunt Hezekiah and say that they were going to be defeated. So Hezekiah and the prophet, they went and they sought God and they prayed and cried out to heaven and the Lord sent victory on their behalf. So the king of Assyria returned with shame to his land. He went to the temple of his God and there some of his own children cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the power of King Sennacherib of Assyria and from the power of all others. He gave them rest on every side. 
Many were bringing an offering to the Lord to Jerusalem and valuable gifts to King Hezekiah of Judah, and he was exalted in the eyes of all the nations after that. So Hezekiah has this record at this point of walking with God faithfully and wholeheartedly. Hezekiah came to power when he was just 25 years old and he reigned for a total of 29 years. But it was in his 14th year of his reign or at 39 years old that Hezekiah's life would get shaken. So by God's power, Hezekiah had defeated King Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, along with his army. And now um, the details of his life pick up at what I call a composite story because we have part of the story here and we're going to look at Isaiah 38 for the other part of this story. So shortly after his victory, Hezekiah gets sick unto death. So let's see what happens. Verse 24. In those days, Hezekiah became sick to the point of death. So he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and gave him a miraculous sign. However, because his heart was proud, Hezekiah didn't respond according to the benefit that had come to him. So there was wrath upon him, upon Judah and upon Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so the Lord's wrath didn't come on them during Hezekiah's lifetime. Underline that if you're reading along with me. And I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard. Verse 27, Hezekiah had abundant riches and glory, and he made himself treasuries for silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and every desirable item. He made warehouses for the harvest of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and pens for flocks. He made cities for himself, and he acquired herds of sheep and cattle in abundance, for God gave him abundant possessions. This same Hezekiah blocked the outlet of the water of the upper Gihon and channeled it smoothly downward and westward to the city of, of David. So he was involved in technologies that would assist in water irrigation for his city. Hezekiah succeeded in everything he did. When the ambassadors of Babylon's rulers were sent to him to inquire about the miraculous sign that happened in the land, God left him to test him and discover what was in his heart. I want you to circle that because we're going we're gonna to come back around to it. So now... We have some details about Hezekiah overall. I want to go to 2 Kings 20, verses 1 through 19, because I want us to really dive into this. And then we're going to jump over to Isaiah 39. 2 Kings 20, 1 through 19. In those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, came and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Put your affairs in order, for you are about to die. You will not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, 
Remember how I have walked before you faithfully and wholeheartedly and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Isaiah had not yet gone out of the inner courtyard when the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord God of your ancestor David says. I've heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. Look, I will heal you. On the third day, you will go up to the Lord's temple. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, bring a lump or a pumice or a poultice of pressed figs. So they brought it and applied it to his infected skin and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the Lord's temple on the third day? Isaiah said, this is a sign to you from the Lord that he will do what he has promised. Should the shadow go ahead 10 steps or go back 10 steps? Then Hezekiah answered, it's easy for the shadow to lengthen 10 steps. No, let the shadow go back 10 steps. So Isaiah the prophet called out to the Lord and he brought the shadow back the 10 steps. It had descended on Ahaz's stairway. At that time, Merodach Baladon, son of Baladon, son, prince of the king of Babylon, sent letters and a gift to Hezekiah since he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah gave them a hearing, a tour, and showed them his whole treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the precious oil, and his armory, and everything that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his palace and in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and asked him, what did these men say and where did they come from? Hezekiah replied, they came from a distant country, from Babylon. Isaiah asked, what have they seen in your palace? Hezekiah answered, they have seen everything in my palace. There isn't anything in my treasuries that I didn't show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will certainly come when everything in your palace and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your descendants who come from you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you've spoken is good. For he thought... Why not, if there will be peace and security during my lifetime? So let's get into it today. So Isaiah comes to warn Hezekiah. Hezekiah gets ill suddenly and Isaiah comes to warn him of his impending transition. He tells him what any, today we would call him a life planner or an estate planner would say. Prepare your affairs and your family. This is it. You're not going to get well. Hezekiah takes that information, turns from the prophet to seek God, right? About his health and about 
getting more time about getting more time. And so what, what happens here? God listens to Hezekiah's prayers and petition. He actually says, I'm going to heal you. And in three days time, if you read the account in Isaiah 38, he says in three days time, you're going to be walking on your own. I'm going to save you from the king of Assyria and I'm going to cover the city for my sake and for, and for your ancestor David's sake. Now, this is a good lesson for us as prophets, because as prophets, we must learn to deliver the message that God tells us to give and get out of the way, get out of the way of God, the human being and the message and let the word do the work. So the word is doing the work. Hezekiah says, I'm going to go, I'm going to pray, I'm going to intercede. And then we know that Isaiah gets what we call a preceding word from the Lord. Okay. Isaiah then tells him the natural part of what he will need to do in order to heal. Here we see in the text, a perfect example of both science and spirituality working hand in hand. So yes, there's a promise of healing, but Isaiah gives Hezekiah some basic, very basic natural instructions about what to do to apply to his body so that he may be healed. The other thing we see here is that Hezekiah goes before the Lord in prayer, right? And as prophets, we must not replace the personal imperative of prayer from people's life. It was Hezekiah's prayer and Hezekiah's petition that God responded to. It was his petition from his individual soul that God began to respond to. So God gives Isaiah a preceding word based on Hezekiah's prayer. And I say to you today that God is waiting on your prayer and he's waiting on your will to get involved, not just the prophet or the messenger that he sends. How do we know this is true? Psalm 56 tells us that tears have a language, that our tears do speak. And so God tells him, I heard his tears. I saw his prayers. And God says in Isaiah 38, he said that his hand would be on the city. And that he would give him 15 added years. This is a miraculous turnaround. But then Hezekiah does what many of us as humans do, right? We receive a promise from God, but then he asks for a sign. <laughs> and God even granted the sign, right? Even letting him choose how the sign would go to bring reassurance. He let him choose the direction of the sun's shadow. Again, this is a scientific phenomenon a natural phenomena working with the spirit of God. For those people who keep saying that science and God are at odds, I don't understand. <laughs> okay. So now 
Isaiah prays and the sign occurs at his prayer. I want to encourage somebody today that we cannot ignore God's signs and we cannot demonize them. So when God is moving in the natural realm and he's moving through science, we don't discredit and we don't disregard what God is doing in that realm. Again, in Isaiah 38, in verse 21 and 22, you will see that there was something physical, instructional, and medicinal that Hezekiah had to participate in to be healed by the words that were delivered. There was a word and there was instructions about what to do with his body. We also see even in the text, we see a time of isolation and quarantine where Hezekiah could not go into the house of the Lord for a certain period of time. Hmm. Yeah. He could not enter the sanctuary for three days. Now it amazes me how God may send a prophet to you or send a messenger. It doesn't have to be a prophet per se with a very clear natural instruction to save your life. And some people will not even follow through on the very clear natural instruction that will bring life and health and peace to you. A prophet could say, build your immune system, exercise, <laughs> take vitamin D3, right? Lay off the sugars, get plenty of rest, drink more water. But then you would have people saying, but where is my sign? <laughs> that was your sign, right? So you have sometimes us as human beings, we tend to complain about the state that we might be in or about our ailments, right? But we walk past the obedience part. The Holy Spirit said it to me this way. He said, humans can complain about ailments, but obedience would have cured and helped you to fight the ailment. So after Hezekiah is healed, he writes God a poem. And I'm not going to go through the poem. You can find it in Isaiah 38 uh, verses 9 through 19. He writes God a poem, a love song, if you will, thanking God for his recovery, right? The crisis has been averted in Hezekiah's life. But now what shall Hezekiah do with the 15 years that he's been given? He's been given extra time, but he is literally on a countdown, okay? So in 2 Chronicles, as we just read in verses 30, in uh, chapter 32, verses 20 through 31, we see that the scriptures tell us that the sign that Hezekiah received made him arrogant. He became so arrogant that it brought on the wrath of God. <laughs> yes, he did repent. And God withdrew his anger from Hezekiah while he lived. 
So he was healed. The scripture says that he ended up very wealthy, right? He built treasuries for all of his possessions. He founded cities for himself. He brought new water technology and irrigation into the city. The scriptures says that he succeeded in everything he did. But the question is, did he, he, did he succeed in who he was to become? The scriptures say, when the rulers of Babylon sent emissaries, sent messengers, including the king of Babylon's son, the future ruler of Babylon, they were sent to find out about the sign from God that had taken place in Hezekiah's life earlier. And during that time, the scriptures say that God left him on his own to see what he would do. He wanted to test his heart. I'm reminded of a line from the National Negro Anthem. Lest our hearts drunk with the world of the wine we forget thee. Mm -hmm. So Babylon had heard of his sickness and his wellness. They sent messengers, they sent gifts, they even sent a greeting card. <laughs> and what happened? Let's look at what happened. Isaiah 39, reading from the Message Bible, starting at verse 2, Hezekiah received the messengers warmly. He took them on a tour of his royal precincts, showing them all his treasures, silver, gold, spices, expensive oils, all his weapons, everything out on display. There was nothing in his house or kingdom that Hezekiah didn't show them. Later, the prophet showed up. He asked Hezekiah, what were these men up to? What did they say? Where did they come from? They came from a long way off from Babylon. And what did they see in your palace? Everything. I showed them the works, opened all the doors and impressed them with it all. Impressed. Then said Hezekiah, then said, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, now listen to this message from God of the angel armies, I have to warn you, the time is coming when everything in this palace, along with everything your ancestors accumulated before you, will be hauled off to Babylon. God says that there will be nothing left, nothing, not only your things, but your sons. Some of your sons will be taken into exile, ending up as eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. He replied to Isaiah, good. If God says so, it's good. It's all good. Within himself, he was thinking, but surely nothing bad will happen in my lifetime. I'll enjoy peace and stability as long as I live. My God. So he shows them all the goods of the city, the treasuries, the weaponry. Hezekiah was completely transparent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hezekiah allowed the gifts of the foreigners to open him up 
to pride. He was looking to impress. They were looking to investigate their next conquered people. All gifts are not equal. Babylon was able to make a thorough assessment through Hezekiah's lack of wisdom. Hezekiah had seen himself as a good and faithful man. Remember, he prayed. He prayed and he told the Lord, hey, I've been good. <laughs> I've been faithful. I've walked upright. Okay. He had made his own assessment of his character. But God said, I got to test you. I got to test you. Okay. So he began through this process. Hezekiah begins to point to his goods rather than to God. He begins to point out his goods rather than the goodness of God. Remember, the text says that they came to hear about what God had done in recovering Hezekiah's health. That's what they came to hear about, but they didn't get that from Hezekiah. They got a grand royal tour. There is no record of Hezekiah going to God to get insight on the meaning of the gifts, on the emissaries that came before undertaking receiving them and giving them a grand tour. He questions nothing about this encounter. Remember, when the king of Assyria was coming against the people to destroy them, Hezekiah inquired of the Lord. When Hezekiah heard that he was going to die and that he was supposed to get his house and his affairs in order, Hezekiah inquired of the Lord. But now that he has recovered and he is doing well and he is building his own empire, he gets a letter of well wishes but he doesn't inquire of the Lord. Hezekiah began to lean into the materials rather than the Messiah. He had written poetry to God, but he was now enamored with the words that were written to himself by the Babylonians. So he opens up to his enemies and he doesn't consult God. He moves out of his emotions. He's keeping it real with the wrong people. Mm. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just being open. I'm just being transparent. I'm just being honest with the people that came to conquer you. Jesus. And so, <laughs> Isaiah, the prophetic voice of reason, that we all need in our lives <laughs> showed up later and he had to do the work that prophets often have to do. He had to ask the questions that people don't want to ask. <laughs> like what were these men up to? What did they say? Where did they come from? What did they see in the palace? Whose words like Hezekiah, whose words have captured your hearts? 
A voice of empathy had captured Hezekiah's heart. Somebody inquired about him. They came bearing gifts and he was deeply touched. Clearly he was deeply touched by the gesture of empathy and that empathy captured him. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me that blew me away. And I hope that you hear this through the lens of the spirit. He said, Babylon came in through gifts, not guns. <laughs> Babylon came in through empathy, not judgment. Babylon came in through kind words, not threats. This was the, the true Trojan horse operation. Jeez. I'm going to just say law right there. Isaiah tells him what will happen because of his lack of wisdom and his response is equally flooring. He tells him everything your ancestors accumulated before you will be hauled off by Babylon. Your sons are going to be taken in exile and made eunuchs in Babylon's palace. Your line will essentially end because your, the men in your family are going to be made into eunuchs and your people are going to be taken captive. Somewhere along the way, Hezekiah had been acquiring more things, but not becoming a man of wisdom. And I want to say it again, because the Holy Spirit emphasized this to me as I was studying. He said, God is more interested in our becoming than he is in our acquiring. Hezekiah was thinking, Nothing bad will happen in my lifetime. I will enjoy peace and stability as long as I live. What a short-sighted leader. Remember, Hezekiah calls himself good. But this is short-sighted. The scriptures tell us that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So, Hezekiah has been made well, but he is lacking in wisdom. Think about it. How could you die in peace knowing that his sons would become slaves and robbed of their reproductive rights? How could you sleep for the next 14 years knowing that? This folly of showing off to his enemies would now become a part of his life record with God. So there's lots of cautionary lessons here. Okay. And I said to myself, I said, Lord, what is, what is happening with him that he would think that this is okay. 
that the end of his legacy would be this judgment, this pronouncement on his house. And he would be okay with that. And you know what the Lord showed me? He said, Hezekiah didn't do the very first instruction. When the prophet came to him, when he became deathly ill, the prophet told him, get your affairs and house in order. Prepare your family. Though he received healing, he failed to do this though he had more time. He was given more time. Hezekiah missed the cues when those Babylonian princes and messengers came. He missed the cues that he was being surveyed to take all that he had built. His focus had been on building his empire to self and not the future beyond his reign. He had not prepared his family. He had not gotten his personal house in order. Hezekiah did not secure Judah's future, nor the future of his son. How do we know this? Because his son Manasseh comes to power and he becomes known as one of the most wicked kings ever. So the prince of Babylon came to survey the entire land and Hezekiah didn't consider that because his ego was the one doing the touring. Unlike Hezekiah, we must seek God beyond the crisis moments. Not just for another day or another few years of life, but also to seek him for wisdom on the legacy that is connected to us that is to continue. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, Hezekiah prayed for relief from pain, but not for instruction for purpose. And rather than getting his house in order and preparing his family he got caught up in showing off the realm that he had built up. As a result, his house, his family, and the entire realm would be taken into exile. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children. Hezekiah would be leaving an impending stripping of all that had been accumulated. His failure to get his house in order ultimately brought the kingdom under judgment and had a lasting effect on the nation. He got carried away boasting about his possessions. He got carried away boasting and the possessions that he had boasted about would also be carried away. Hezekiah majored in materialism but minored in obedience and seeking God. His pride in his materials made the people a target for generations to come. These are some of my final thoughts on this. Number one, an extension of time 
not used wisely is a waste. Hezekiah had an extension of life, but it wasn't used wisely. And when I say it wasn't used wisely, the scriptures tells us that he was a success. He was, he was an external success. But when it came to being tested by God, he didn't pass the test. All signs and wonders don't always yield a grateful heart. This is why we don't follow after signs and wonders to determine how we should live our lives before God. It can actually yield pride and arrogance as it was in the case of Hezekiah. Hezekiah's assurance from God that he was healed and that God's hand was on the city may have made him feel invincible or immune to judgment. But God was seeing what would become of Hezekiah's heart. So yes, you can build an empire. You can be successful. God's hand can be on the city. You can feel invincible, but you're not immune to God's test of the heart. We must make sure our goals and our godliness is not short-sighted. The next generation should factor into our decision-making. For Hezekiah, the next generation did not factor into his decision-making. He was only satisfied about how well he could live his life for as long as he could live his life. Asking for healing is not enough. We must ask God for wisdom to know how to live holy and healed and how to govern our lives. Getting our house in order is an ongoing imperative, not just in crisis. We must watch for being taken advantage of through our distress, through our recovery processes, through our weak points, and certainly through our emotions. The Trojan horse is real. We must not trade pain relief for posterity preparation. Hezekiah wanted pain relief but when it came to preparing for the future, preparing for posterity, he didn't ask for that. As a result, when his son Manasseh does come to power, Manasseh undid all of his reforms, his own son. He reversed all of the righteous initiatives over the nation and he reestablished polytheistic worship, including in the temple. So finally, let us introspect today. I want you to think about these questions. What are you leaving unfinished? What are you trading for temporary relief? What are you overlooking or seeing as insignificant because you have more time? 
Are you okay with shortchanging your next generation? Hezekiah was okay with kicking the bucket down the road. He was okay with judgment falling on his sons and Judah as long as he had it good in his lifetime. Hezekiah was a good king, but a poor father. He could have been great. I'll leave you with this thought, and then I'm going to ask if Apostle Robert would come, and I know he has some things he wants to share. The most dangerous place to be left is to be left to your own ego. This is the word of the Lord that I've been given, and I'm going to step out of the way as Apostle Robert comes. God bless you all, um, those who are viewing today at Life Nation. I don't know really how to come behind that because the word was so powerful. Pain relief versus posterity. Hezekiah, when we think about King Hezekiah, we think a lot of good things. We think about God spared his life. We think about how he had to reform. We think about how the greatness of his authority being recognized over defeating Assyria and all these things. But the very thing that we have to really look at, particularly as leaders who appear to be successful, leaders who have been, who survived hardships, the very thing we have to really um, evaluate is, is who are they showing their treasury to? Who, what door are they opening for the next generation? He empowered the next generation of his adversary. That is his life message. We don't want to live so long and get fat, P-H-A-T, you know, off of the goods of this world and leave the greatness of what God has you to really um, grind through in your lifetime and let the adversary get the rewards. It said the wealth of the wicked is laid out for the righteous, not the wealth of the righteous laid out for the wicked. So we have to understand that no matter how much we accumulate in this day in this time, in this 21st century um, attributes of life, everything about get your grind on, make that money, uh, get that paper, uh, get that wealth, get those stocks, get that cryptocurrency, uh, get that, uh, you know, um, all those different things, Forex and all those different things, which is not evil in itself. It's nothing wrong with accumulating things based on wisdom that God gives you to accomplish and to succeed and to gather and to expand. There's nothing wrong with that. The, what we have to understand is what are we expanding it for? 
what is going to occur once you achieve all this wealth? Because one thing I think the older we get and the more successful clients we wind up acquiring and those deeper pockets of wealth that I happen to be able to work with, one of the things that becomes really a common denominator is the art of privacy. We have to learn the art of privacy. I know we're in the age where we want to show everything. Hezekiah, think about his Facebook page. <laughs> think about Hezekiah with a Facebook page, showing off every last piece of gold and silver and resources and beautiful um, artifacts and all the things he acquired. He said, look y'all, look what I got. And here's the combination to my door. So you can come see for yourself. The art of privacy. The wisdom of privacy as you become more successful because some things need to be preserved through your line and that's not public information. You know, Prophet Shantae, now we do share stuff online. But there's a certain limit to what we would share. We don't share what's going to harm or bring invaders, you know, to what God has had us to build up. We have to understand that there is a limit to the knowledge that people need to have about your intimate life. That's the message that Hezekiah brings. He was focused upon embracing the son of the adversary than his own sons. So we have sons who have been abandoned by their fathers. Think about what it must be like for a child to come through and, and a prophet and hear. Think about, you remember the days like Dennis the Menace and all those other shows where the mom and pop, they'd be in there having their private mm -hmm. conversation and the kid be around the corner of the other wall with a cup on the wall, listen to everything they talking about. Think about what it's like as a child to hear that your father doesn't care nothing about you after he is gone. Mm -hmm. That is a tremendous seed of hatred that occurs. Because your father don't care nothing about you after he's gone. A lot of men fail at that. A lot of successful. Like one thing I've been fortunate enough to see um, in this phase of my life, in my 50s, is watching how others are preserving what they have for their next generations. As a matter of fact, there's a message series we had last year about the next generation. If you look through our um, Life Nation page about what you have to do to prepare for your next generation, who is going to carry on the hard work and the fruit of the hard work that you acquired? Who is it? Whose hands is it going into? Did you do all the work and sacrifice all that for your life just so you can get to the hands of evil ones to take everything you have over? That is a life. That's a generational failure. So this is a, this is a very sobering message for today, and I just want to pray into it because her points were so. Her points were just so. Um, 
profound. <sighs> what are you leaving unfinished? Even that first question, she had several. Get the replay to really hear those and write them down for your life. Especially those who have children or even grandchildren. What are you leaving unfinished? You may have the, the six-bedroom house with the nine bathrooms. You may have the four vehicles, including an SUV and a super sports high-performance vehicle. You may have all those things. You may have a large bank account. But what are you really doing? What are you leaving unfinished? Because as we can see, material success in and of itself is an unfinished work. So God bless you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message today. This is another incredibly sobering message that you have given to us. We ask that you help us to evaluate our lives, the legacies, all of the work and the things you spared us from, you know, all what you have allowed us to accumulate and to build in our life. Father, we are in a very powerful stage where even like with Hezekiah, we're in a stage where you've healed us from various things. You've given us treasuries. You allowed us to show us how to conquer and subdue and to obtain. But Father, help us to not make the bold mistakes of Hezekiah to invite those who want to take away from us and then to not care about our next generation in the face of you, O oh God. So help us all, Lord God, to help because children are our future. How we entreat our children, what do we teach them? What are we leaving for them so they could be successful in the next levels of life after the parents are gone? So many adults, so many children now, even us adult children, have recently lost parents. And there's such a great vacuum there because there's so much wisdom. There's so many things that parents encountered that there's no way we know all these things. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the parents who have shared with their children, you know, the ABCs of, for the next generation to help us to know how to go forward. So help us, even us now in this phase, in this pivotal stage right now, how to understand the role of what materiality is in our lives and the place it has. Let it not be all-consuming to our life. Help us to understand, you know, to as we get older, like Solomon, to attain wisdom, to know who to engage, to who to be transparent to, and who to not be transparent to. And Lord, help us, Lord, to know how to be humble and to uh, <laughs> how to respond correctly when we get an end-of-life word that is not focused on self-centeredness, but upon community and family uplift. We pray these things in Jesus' name and give you glory and honor. Amen. So we thank you, Lord, for all who are here. One of the biggest investments we can make in our life is to become an heir with God. That's through Christ. And if you don't know Christ, you want to do it. <laughs> you want to accept him as your Savior and Lord so that you can have the access to the abundance and the inheritance that God has for us and have the wisdom to know how to do it through the Holy Spirit. So back to Prophet Shante. Uh, this is a, another phenomenal message. She is just on fire.
Thank God for her in her fire hot red uh, outfit today. God bless her. <laughs> Amen. 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 I want to thank you all for your time and attention today. I pray that um, the word has met you, that you have received from the Father, and that this word will continue to resonate with you this week, and that those questions, that you will take them seriously, because I know I am. Um, just thinking about the legacy that you're leaving, who are you leaving it to? Um, so many of us, and, and many of you have heard me say this before, but there's a proverb that says, when an elder passes, a library burns down. What is it that you need to share with your children, with your relatives? What about your story with God have you not shared? Have you recorded those things that God has spoken to you, the promises that he's made to you concerning your generations? Um, before my grandmothers passed, they shared with me the promises that they had from God concerning our generations. They shared with me the prayers that they had prayed um, over my life and over our generations, um, the hopes that they had, that they would not necessarily see it in their lifetime, but they left those words so that I would know what it is that was their hope and was their prayer and was their expectations from God. So I just encourage you today to spend some time this week thinking about those things and uh, just thinking about this word again, Isaiah, if you want to go back and read Isaiah 38, 39, um, 2 Kings 20, um, and also 2 Chronicles 32 um, is where you can find all parts of Hezekiah's uh, life story that we talked about on today. So thank you all so much for your time and attention. I pray that you have a blessed week. I pray that you are strengthened and that you are impacted in a positive and blessed way on this coming week. If you would like to give, um, the, the ways that you can give are located on our Facebook page. Again, thank you all so much for your time and attention. Take care and have a wonderful Sunday.